Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk. I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview that features Realtor.com's chief economist, George Ratu. In today's interview, George discusses how student loan debt is impacting the nation's first time home buyers. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's upcoming podcast. They say money talks, so why can't we? HousingWire is thrilled to introduce its newest podcast, Girl Funds, a show where we give you our two cents on money. We love to talk with our girlfriends about everything, except our finances. We're here to bring money back into the conversation, hosted by me, Brenda Nath, along with our editor-in-chief, Sarah Wheeler. Be sure to join us every week starting this Wednesday for our girls' night focused on everything from how to pursue your dream of owning a home to affording your best friend's wedding. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us as we intertwine finance and friendship. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today, I'm joined with Realtor.com's senior economist, George Ratow. Thanks for joining us on Housing Wire Daily, George. Absolutely, Elson. It's good to be here and uh, to join you. Listeners, today, George will be speaking to us about how student loan debt is impacting the nation's first-time home buyers and what that means for the overall market. George, student loan debt has long been an economic hot topic. After all, it's been reported the nation's total amount of student loan debt surpassed $1.6 trillion in 2019, averaging around $40,000 for the typical borrower. What's explained this climb in debt? I mean, according to research just 20 years ago, in 2000, the average student owed less than $20,000 in loans. What happened? That is really a a timely, interesting, and fairly... um, complex question and answer combination. And so let me start by saying you're absolutely right. The amount of student debt is staggering. In fact, look back just to before, you know, 2000, even in the 90s, student debt was below 90 billion. And even by Washington standards where, you know, a trillion here, a trillion there, you begin, you know, to count real money. Uh, 1.6 trillion is significant. How did we get here? It's really a combination of factors that go all the way back to the 1940s, especially after World War II with the GI Bill, when the government took an active interest in encouraging young Americans, particularly veterans, to attend university. From those years, the federal government became ever more encouraging of students attending institutions of higher education, particularly during the Cold War. But that got combined in the 80s with during the Reagan administration, 
with a lot of states um, being squeezed basically due to higher taxes. The uh, federal government took a less uh, involved approach. States' budget got crunched. And so in essence, what happened is the burden of attending higher education got transferred from the government to students and their families. Now, you combine that with demographics. We've had, obviously, the millennials, Gen Y, the largest generational cohort in the history of the U.S., come of age. A lot of these, uh, obviously, young people uh, encouraged by this model of go to school, get an education, get a bachelor's, get a master's, you're likely to get a better job. Obviously, we're willing to take on more student debt. And you add the wrinkle of the, the last recession, the Great Recession of 2008-2009, when a lot of millennials came out of college, were facing really bleak prospects. And so their response was to continue education, which is why today this, this cohort is the most educated in the history of the U.S. We have master's degrees, professional degrees, doctorates, uh, but all of these obviously have come at a cost. Uh, and so that's, that's how come that today's education with, with less involvement, particularly for public schools, less involvement from the state level, uh, have depended a lot more on borrowing to finance the education. And you throw in the fact that for a lot of colleges, the last 20 years have been a, year, a period of prosperity and great development. Think of the universities of the 60s and 70s. Our parents may be complaining that their university education was at a fairly sparse campus. And then compare that with some of the, the more recent graduates who talk about dorms filled with swimming pools and, you know, they feel more like resorts than, than the, the dorms of yore. It's obvious universities invested a lot in infrastructure. And through that, they also bumped up a lot of the tuition uh, fees. All right. Well, with $1.6 trillion attributed to student loan debt, how has that impacted the economic pursuits of this demographic? Excellent question. So for millennials specifically, when you look at major life stages and of course economic uh, decisions, what we've really seen is a, a constant uh, delay, right? So number one, whereas they came out of college roughly in the same period of time, when they couldn't find jobs, they continued in school. So by the time most of them started a job, it was later than prior generations. As a result, their level of savings, in addition to just having to service this debt, uh, were delayed. So we're seeing career starting later, um, buying homes started later, getting married started later, having children is also happening later in life. And so we're seeing every one of these delays really play a compounding role. Um, and so for this generation, uh, which I'll make a note that, right, we've heard for 15 years that it will be the generation that will ruin the country because they won't buy cars, they won't buy homes, they won't buy anything. Um, it, it turns out that those were simply delayed decisions. Um, and in fact, this generation is similar uh, with, with prior American generations in that they're interested in home ownership, they are buying cars. As soon as they have kids, they are looking at homes, wherever the good school districts are. So similar characteristics, but obviously the main trait is this delaying decisions, which has certainly impacted real estate as well. George, I'd like to shift focus and discuss how the COVID-19 pandemic has specifically impacted America's students. As we all know, the pandemic has led to an uptick in financial strain as many Americans have faced unemployment. How has this virus furthered the financial woes of those who may already have a significant amount of student loan debt? This is an important question for this year specifically. And as we look into the next year or two, um, here the, the question really is more, or I should say the, the answer is a little more nuanced. 
And what I mean by that, when it comes to student debt, there are several um, components to it. Number one, for folks who are really in low income brackets, there, there are alternatives to make income-based repayments, possibly not pay anything if the income falls below a certain threshold. So it turns out that a lot of the folks who are student debt that were impacted this year are those who used to make um, mid or above mid-range uh, income and have lost their jobs. Those folks have really felt the pain of this because uh, they, they uh, have to continue making the payments. Now, it's true that the, uh, the, as part of the CARES package that Congress enacted earlier this year, there was a deferment of payments and interest until the end of the year. The big question is what happens in 2021 to a lot of these folks? Um, and I would say that for some people, the, the uh, impact of unemployment and existing student debt is obviously putting a lot of strain on finances because it's hard to commit yourself, obviously, to the purchase of a home when you're facing, as I mentioned, either unemployment or existing debt that's uh, possibly disqualifying you from uh, getting a mortgage. Thanks for answering that. Now I'd like to discuss President-elect Joe Biden's plans for America's student debt crisis. According to several reports, Biden may enact some form of student loan forgiveness. In fact, during his presidential campaign, Biden supported a plan to void up to $10,000 in student loan debt for each borrower as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. That being said, he did not say he would cancel all debt through an executive order. My question for you is, how would a cancellation of 10K impact American households? Would it be enough or too little? That's a, an excellent question in which, uh, again, the, the answer, I would say, is a little more complex and nuanced than might initially uh, you know, appear. So depending, obviously, on, on your, your uh, philosophical approach, canceling student debt is really a great thing. And I would say on, on balance, it sounds like a great idea. Conversely, you might say, well, it's a bad thing because all the people who took debt and paid it off uh, you know, are not getting rewarded, whereas those who, who couldn't are. But beyond that, let's look at the logistics of it. What this, first of all, will, will impact is your taxes, because under the current reg legislation, any student debt that gets forgiven gets taxed as income received in that year. So for a lot of borrowers, simply having their debt forgiven, let's say $10,000 you know, debt forgiven, simply means that they will owe the IRS some money as a result of this. So that's why I said it's a little more nuanced, because it really will depend how the uh, regulation, if an, the Biden administration chooses to go forward with this as an executive order, how the regulation is written, because without changing the law to address the impact from taxation of this, of this uh, forgiven debt, uh, overall, the economic impact might not be as big as we, would, as we would hope. Now, having said that, I think that on balance, uh, making some sort of a, a providing a solution to this issue of debt is absolutely necessary. Because when we look really at what's happening in the educational landscape, costs keep rising. But at the same time, for many graduates, sometimes even with master's degrees, uh, the employment landscape doesn't provide nearly the rewards that they would expect given the expense. So I think it's absolutely an issue that, that uh, the Biden administration and really the new Congress should absolutely tackle and look at. But simply writing off some, some student debt and calling it a day, obviously I don't think will be enough to jumpstart the economy. All right, and I'd like to wrap this interview with discussing how student loan debt may impact the home buying pursuits of next year's home buyers. What is NAR expecting for the housing market in 2021? How are these home buyers going to fare? 
Very good and timely question. So let's start with the fact that the housing market this year already has been uh, really surprisingly resilient and growing. Uh, first of all, we started 2020, even before the pandemic, with a housing market that was benefiting from very strong demand. As I mentioned, demographics are really a tailwind in today's housing market. In addition, we had low interest rates, but what we didn't have were enough homes. So we started the year undersupplied, and the pandemic only made that situation worse. So as we look to 2021, particularly for, for young buyers, I would say we're really looking at a challenging, potentially challenging year, especially in terms of affordability. We're seeing prices over the last three months specifically go up by double digits, more than double the pace of incomes. Um, and so in addition, even with mortgage rates reaching historic lows, the monthly payment is now moving from being lower than a year ago because of low mortgage rates to actually being higher because of home prices being so uh, much higher. So I think for first time buyers next year will be one of continuing challenges in large part because affordability will be front and center for, for the housing market. So I think for young people, it's important to realize there will be opportunities, but there will be a lot of, of patience uh, and homework required. Getting the um, financing lined up, researching the right neighborhoods, making sure you understand the trends and the pricing. And of course, sometimes given the competitive environment, having some patience. All right, listeners, I'd like to give a big thank you to George for joining us today and providing us with such insightful information on the student debt crisis. We'll have to bring you on next year to discuss how affordable housing also impacts this demographic. Thanks for joining us today, George. Absolutely. I real joy chatting with you. Thank you. more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily as we wrap up this week's news coverage. As always, we like to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Have a great weekend and catch everyone back here again on Monday.